What happens after you die? Oh boy, that's a good one. Oh my God. I go to heaven. Well, the body doesn't remain, but I think that the soul would move on. <laughs> that's it. You close your eyes and that's it. The maggots eat you. I believe he transformed to another person, maybe or something. It was incredibly fast. It was incredibly fast between the, the, the point where the mind turned off, then suddenly I found myself in a, in a total void of, of nothing, a blackness. And, and then I was in a darkness, total darkness. But you gotta realize, I had just come from a raging sea and, and drowning in incredibly violent matter. My body was getting ravaged by the sea. It's a sudden quiet, sudden nothing. Blackness. It was comfortable. It was calm because I was in I was in a very cold sea that was very violent. To suddenly, I felt I was comfortable. I wasn't freezing. I wasn't my body. I, I didn't know I no longer had a body to, to worry about, you know. And so um, it felt like a real sense of wonder. Um, where am I? What is all of this? That only, even that that um, sense of you know what's going on, it took me I hate to use the word time. It took me a little a little while to come to the realization that I had died. It, it was just a realization. It, there wasn't a lot of emotion attached to the fact that I had just died. And when I came back, I was a little ashamed of that because I, I kind of felt guilty that, boy, when I died, when I first realized I died, I, should, I thought, you know, shouldn't I have been worried about my friends, my family that I'm leaving behind or kind of suffering or whatever? You know, I, I worried about that when I came back. But when I was in the void and I really, and I came to realize, boy, I'm dead, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore. There wasn't any pro or con type of emotion. No, it wasn't negative at all. And, and I've heard some accounts where people have gone into that and found that incredibly frightening. Now, I think if you transitioned into death in a very peaceful manner and you found this, this total blackness, I could see where that might be frightening for someone, but it wasn't very long before I saw the light appear and it allowed me to move toward the light. And so I went from the darkness into the light and that was a natural process as well. It was, it felt, I've never been able to determine whether I moved toward the light or the light moved toward me, but it did feel like movement. It felt like we were traveling. And the closer I got, the more I started feeling the sense of welcome and love. And, um, and, it, and that just sped the whole process up because I, to feel that kind of love, you know, reaching out to you, touching you, um, it, it's, it's, it's because when in this physical life do we feel love reach out and touch us? You know, I mean, think of the times in life where you can say that you physically felt love reach out and touch you. Um, 
it's hard to describe those moments. Those are short, brief periods in, in life. You know, I mean, we love our family, but that kind of love has rules, you know? And this love is so much larger because when it touches you, you become a part of it. There's no conditions, no rules, no expectations. It's just a part of this greater love that comprises everything. I felt more whole in that void, and I felt more... Um, there was, there's also an expansiveness. I felt like a bigger being than I was in this physical body. So you, I used that void or darkness period to explore that, to explore me. Who am I? Who is this consciousness? There's some people that will go out of body and see their physical body at that point of death. I didn't experience that. I went right into this blackness, and then it all felt like a natural progression. But before I came back to my body, I did observe my body in the water because my body had to be resuscitated before I entered back in. Physicists believe that the universe is governed by scientific laws. These laws must hold without exceptions, or they wouldn't be laws. That doesn't leave much room for miracles, or God. I regard the afterlife to be a fairy story for people that are afraid of the dark. The way I feel it works is that everything in creation is the same energy, and energy is consciousness, energy consciousness. So we're looking at creation being one gigantic consciousness, one gigantic mind, of which we are all part. So we're like uh, droplets of water in an ocean of consciousness. We're individual to a certain extent, but altogether we make up the whole. And this uh, consciousness is broken up into different levels of evolution. And one of the things that, that because of the programming that, that we do, is when we talk about life after death or heaven, we look up, don't we? You know? I think heaven must be at 30,000 feet or something. You know? um, and I, I remember that when the penny really dropped for me, was some years ago when someone said to me, you know these different levels, you know, they're not like Chester drawers. They share the same space. Penny dropped. Started to see how these things worked. Because in the, in the, um, in the space that my body is occupying now are all the um, wavelengths of all the frequencies of um, all the radio stations, television stations, telecommunications equipments broadcasting to this area. Uh, they can't see um, each other and we can't see them. Uh, to them, to each frequency, um, they are the only one that exists. But if you get a radio and you tune it to one of those frequencies, then to the radio at that time, that is the only frequency in creation. That is its reality. Just as we look around, and this is our reality. Uh, but if you move the dial on the radio, suddenly another station, another wavelength becomes uh, its reality. 
And on the level of uh, our consciousness, the thinking, feeling us, this series of energy fields that animates and works through the physical form, the genetic spacesuit, as I call it, which we use to experience this physical world, um, we are tuned at that level, at any point in our evolution, to one of creation's infinite number of wavelengths. At the moment, we're all tuned to this one, so this is our reality. But at the moment, we call death. The consciousness withdraws from the physical form and moves on to another wavelength and continues its evolution. And from this perspective, so many great mysteries cease to be so. I mean, uh, from the perspective of this world is all there is science, near-death experiences can't happen. Or if they are, there's there's some weird manifestation of a dying brain to hear some some uh, uh, scientist talk. Because resuscitation equipment has improved so much, more people are being brought back from clinical death, and more people are therefore telling near-death experiences with remarkable, amazing similarity in their stories. And all that's happening when they say, um, in the period that I was quote dead. Um, I was looking down on my physical body and I was seeing the doctors and nurses working on it. Um, that's just the consciousness, the thinking, feeling as the eternal part of us, um, withdrawing from the physical shell. Uh, that's all that happens on what we call death. There is no death, um, just a moving on. this place looked just like a tunnel that ran through the sky. Far greater than a tunnel, but that's the closer we're going to come to it. Now the angels never let me get in the tunnel. They brought me to a portion of the wall that was invisible. Into the center of this tunnel, there's a highway lined on either side with the most beautiful flowers. Flower garden that would uh, defy any attempt to describe because the colors of those flowers, not just the flowers, but the colors of those flowers were alive. At the farthest end of this tunnel was a brilliant light, so brilliant there was no shadows anywhere in the tunnel, yet soft enough to look at. Walking on that highway at first glance was what appeared to be normal, ordinary human beings. But as I looked at them closely, I realized they were not ordinary. They were super extraordinary. I say to the angels escorting me, who are they? While they replied, those are God's children going home. As I watched the saints walk that highway, three of the greatest truths of this Bible overwhelmed me. The first thing that dawned on me was, hey, they don't have any age. They're not old. They're not young. They're not middle-aged. They don't have any age. Comprehend that. You can't do it, can you? You never looked at anything that wasn't touched by time. Even brand new, it's touched by time. The next thing that dawned on me was, wow, they're neither male nor female. Oh. Some of you fellas have a hard time with this one, don't you? The third and final truth that I learned watching those saints walk the tunnel, suddenly it dawned upon me as I looked at them I could not tell what they had been in physical life. 
I couldn't tell if they had been white, black, red, or yellow. Immortal spirits are raceless. In fact, you've never seen you. You are an immortal spirit residing in a mortal body. And when you looked in the mirror this morning, you looked at a body, the reflection of a mortal body. And that reflection you saw this morning don't look like what it did 14 months ago, does it? I was standing in the hallway and I saw, you know, yellow caution tape right in the kitchen. So I look, and I'm like, what is going on? Why is there yellow caution tape? So I walk down the hall into the kitchen, and I see like this big group of people standing there. And then they're all in a circle. I'm like, what are they, what are they looking at? Like, what's going on? So I look down into the circle, and I'm in the middle of the circle, and everybody's staring at me. And my body is laying on the ground. And then I am like, whoa. So I try to like maybe communicate with people or... No one can really hear me. I look down. My body's not there. Like, I have no body. And I'm just like, what is going on? You know, like, this is just crazy. So, like, I'm kind of scared. Well, not scared, but I'm like, okay, I like, obviously I died. You know, I just knew at that moment, like, nobody can hear me. I'm not supposed to be here anymore. So in that second, I realized, okay, I'm dead. I look up. All of a sudden, in the kitchen, I see this like huge white light coming from the ceiling to the floor. And it's just like, boom. And it's right there. And I just knew, like, okay, that's home. Like, that's where I'm supposed to go. So I obviously, I, I had nowhere else to go. No one was talking to me. I had no body. So I just, like, naturally moved into the light. So I went into the light. And uh, as I was moving up in the light, I just started to feel so good. You know, like, I can't... Words can't explain it, like, the higher that I went into the light and the more that I moved up and further away from Earth, the better I felt. So you just moved up, it felt better and better, it was insane. So anyways, as, as I'm going up into the light, like, you could just tell you're moving up, I look to my side, the Earth turned into blackness. So all the objects and everything just kind of turned into this dark blackness and then all of a sudden as you're moving up into the light the black starts disappearing because the light's taking it and then when I looked behind me I saw earth and earth was like it would be like you standing up and looking down and seeing like an ant on the ground like our entire universe was the size of an ant it just made you realize how insignificant this life is and uh, you know we're only on this earth for a short period of time but after this period of time there's an eternal life that we have to live hold up, hold up. I bet you thinking that we did
This acceptance of modern technology within Eastern religion has found its most prominent propagator in the Dalai Lama. From an early age on, the Dalai Lama has shown great interest in science. He has collaborated in several brain research projects. He claims that he would give up his religious beliefs as soon as they would contradict scientific evidence, and even the prospect of a transhuman future doesn't pose a problem for him. Once he claimed that he might reincarnate into a computer as soon as these machines were powerful enough. Now, further development of the technology, and eventually a new type of human being, uh, uh, say, due to these machines, something. Uh, then, welcome, no problem. If that come, and then, then the reincarnation of Dalai Lama also may be one of like that. <laughs> <laughs> Religion and the afterlife fantasy have these things in common. First, they're man-made. That's very important. Uh, they, they represent claims by humans to be able to interpret the divine and to give themselves power by doing so. We all, we all admit we don't know. That's because we can't know. So the people who have to leave the island right away are those who say they do, who for centuries have tyrannized and still do millions of human beings by claiming to hold the keys of heaven and hell. Leading to my second point, religion is totalitarian in its practice and its theory. It claims to know things it can't know and it claims to have powers it cannot have. It says if you make the right propitiations and the right donations, you may get paradise. And if you, if you don't, you may get an eternity of pain. That includes, by the way, the souls of unbaptized children of the millions uh, who Sam mentioned. Um, th there's also, I think, a real problem about anything that's eternal. I'll, I should probably close with this. I, it will happen to all of us that at some point you get tapped on the shoulder and told, not just that the party's over, but slightly worse, the party's going on, but you have to leave. <laughs> and, it's, and it's going on without you. That's, that's, the, that's the reflection, I think, that most upsets people about their demise. All right then, let's, because it might make us feel better, let's pretend the opposite. Instead, you'll get tapped on the, on the shoulder and told, great news, this party's going on forever, and you can't leave. <laughs> you, you've got to stay. The boss says so, and he also insists that you have a good time. Deep, deep down, far, far in, 
is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. So, say in Hindu mythology, they say that the world is the drama of God. God is not something in Hindu mythology with a white beard that, that sits on a throne and that has royal prerogatives. God in, in Indian mythology is the self, Satchitananda, which means Sat, that which is, Chit, that which is consciousness, that which is Ananda is bliss. And in other words, what exists, reality itself, is gorgeous. It is the plenum, the fullness of total joy. Wow, we. And all those stars, if you look out in the sky, as a firework display, like you see on the 4th of July, which is a great occasion for celebration. The universe is a celebration. It is a firework show to celebrate that existence is. Wow, we. And then they say, but however, there's no point just in sustaining bliss. Let's suppose that you were able every night to dream any dream you wanted to dream. And that you could, for example, have the power within one night to dream 75 years of time. Or any length of time you wanted to have. And you would naturally, as you began on this adventure of dreams, you would fulfill all your wishes. You would have every kind of pleasure you could conceive. And after several nights of 75 years of total pleasure each, you would say, well, that was pretty great. But now let's, um, let's have a surprise. Let's have a dream which isn't under control where something is going to happen to me that I don't know what it's going to be. And uh, you, you would dig that and come out of that and say, wow, that was a, a close shave, wasn't it? And then you would get more and more adventurous and you would make further and further out gambles as to what you would dream. And finally, you would dream where you are now. You would dream the dream of living the life that you are actually living today. Today you heard excerpts from the documentary Please Come Again, The Reincarnation of Zasip Tulku Renpak. What is Death Like? From YouTube channel ReneeJorgensen.com A Charlie Rose interview with Stephen Hawking, dated 3-7-2008. David Icke on Death and Eternity. My Amazing Life After Death Experience of the Demonic Spirit World in Heaven by Howard Pittman. Life After Death. Died at a party, then met God. From YouTube channel Heaven Exists. An excerpt from the 2006 Belgian documentary, Technocalypse. An excerpt of Christopher Hitchens speaking in the Is There an Afterlife debate at the Wadsworth Theater in Los Angeles, California. An excerpt from The Nature of Consciousness Lecture, Session 2, by Alan Watts. You also heard the following music. Godspeed you, Black Emperor. 
Dead fly blues, we drift like worried fire, and their helicopters sing. From Flying Lotus, 1983, Juicy Revenge, and Dead Man's Tetris. From Death Grips, you might think he loves you for your money, but I know what he really loves you for. It's your brand new leopard skin pillbox hat. From Clark, Winterlin and Oaklands. And from Gold Panda, Quitters Rock. Clip Machine is produced and edited by Will and Sarah Magnus. <laughs>